captain wentworth was come to kellynich as to a home to stay as long as he liked being as thoroughly the object of the admiral's fraternal kindness as of his wife's he had intended on first arriving to proceed very soon into shropshire and visit the brothers settled in that country but the attractions of uppercross induced him to put this off there was so much of friendliness and of flattery and of everything most bewitching in his reception there the old were so hospitable the young so agreeable that he could not but resolve to remain where he was and take all the charms and perfections of edward's wife upon credit a little longer it was soon uppercross with him almost every day the musgroves could hardly be more ready to invite than he to come particularly in the morning when he had no companion at home for the admiral and mrs croft were generally out of doors together interesting themselves in their new possessions their grass and their sheep and dawdling about in a way not endurable to a third person or driving out in a gig lately added to their establishment hitherto there had been but one opinion of captain wentworth among the musgroves and their dependencies it was unvarying warm admiration everywhere but this intimate footing was not more than established when a certain charles hayter returned among them to be a good deal disturbed by it and to think captain wentworth very much in the way charles hayter was the eldest of all the cousins and a very admirable pleasing young man between home and henrietta there had been a considerable appearance of attachment previous to captain wentworth's introduction he was in orders and having a curacy in the neighbourhood where residence was not required lived at his father's house only two miles from uppercross a short absence from home had left his fair one unguarded by his attentions at this critical period and when he came back he had the pain of finding very altered manners and of seeing captain wentworth mrs musgrove and mrs hayter were sisters they had each had money but their marriages had made a material difference in their degree of consequence mr hayter had some property of his own but it was insignificant compared with mr musgrove's and while the musgroves were in the first class of society in the country the young hayters would from their parents inferior retired and unpolished way of living and their own defective education had been hardly in any class at all but for their connection with uppercross this eldest son of course excepted who had chosen to be a scholar and a gentleman and who was very superior in cultivation and manners to all the rest the two families had always been on excellent terms there being no pride on one side and no envy on the other and only such a consciousness of superiority in the miss musgroves as made them pleased to improve their cousins charles's attentions to henrietta had been observed by her father and mother without any disapprobation it would not be a great match for her but if henrietta liked him and henrietta did seem to like him henrietta fully thought so herself before captain wentworth came but from that time cousin charles had been very much forgotten which of the two sisters was preferred by captain wentworth was as yet quite doubtful as far as anne's observation reached henrietta was perhaps the prettiest louisa had the higher spirits and she knew not now whether the more gentle or the more lively character were most likely to attract him mr and mrs musgrove either from seeing little or from an entire confidence in the discretion of both their daughters and of all the young men who came near them seemed to leave everything to take its chance there was not the smallest appearance of solicitude or remark about them in the mansion-house but it was different at the cottage 
the young couple there were more disposed to speculate and wonder and captain wentworth had not been above four or five times in miss musgrove's company and charles hayter had just reappeared when anne had to listen to the opinions of her brother and sister as to which was the one liked best charles gave it for louisa mary for henrietta but quite agreeing that to have him marry either could be extremely delightful charles had never seen a pleasanter man in his life and from what he had once heard captain wentworth himself say was very sure that he had not made less than twenty thousand pounds by the war here was a fortune at once besides which there would be the chance of what might be done in any future war and he was sure captain wentworth was of as likely a man to distinguish himself as any officer in the navy oh it would be a capital match for either of his sisters upon my word it would replied mary dear me if he should rise to any great honours if he should ever be made a baronet lady wentworth sounds very well that would be a noble thing indeed for henrietta she would take place of me then and henrietta would not dislike that sir frederick and lady wentworth it would but be a new creation however and i never think much of your new creations it suited mary best to think henrietta the one preferred on the very account of charles hayter whose pretensions she wished to see put an end to she looked down very decidedly upon the haters and thought it would be quite a misfortune to have the existing connection between the families renewed very sad for herself and her children you know said she i cannot think him at all a fit match for henrietta and considering the alliances which the musgroves have made she has no right to throw herself away i do not think any young woman has a right to make a choice that may be disagreeable and inconvenient to the principal part of her family and be giving bad connections to those who have not been used to them and pray who is charles hayter nothing but a country curate a most improper match for miss musgrove of uppercross her husband however would not agree with her here for besides having a regard for his cousin charles hayter was an eldest son and he saw things as an eldest son himself now you are talking nonsense mary was therefore his answer it would not be a great match for henrietta but charles has a very fair chance through the spicers of getting something from the bishop in the course of a year or two and you will please to remember that he is the eldest son whenever my uncle dies he steps into very pretty property the estate at winthrop is not less than two hundred and fifty acres besides the farm near taunton which is some of the best land in the country i grant you that any of them but charles would be a very shocking match for henrietta and indeed it could not be he is the only one that could be possible but he is a very good-natured good sort of fellow and whenever winthrop comes into his hands he will make a different sort of place of it and live in a very different sort of way and with that property he will never be a contemptible man good freehold property no no henrietta might do worse than marry charles hayter and if she has him and louisa can get captain wentworth i shall be very well satisfied charles may say what he pleases cried mary to anne as soon as he was out of the room but it would be shocking to have henrietta marry charles hayter a very bad thing for her and still worse for me and therefore it is very much to be wished that captain wentworth may soon put him quite out of her head and i have very little doubt that he has she took hardly any notice of charles hayter yesterday i wish you had been there to see her behaviour and as to captain wentworth liking louisa as well as henrietta it is nonsense to say so for he certainly does like henrietta a great deal the best but charles is so positive i wish you had been with us yesterday for then you might have decided between us and i am sure you would have thought as i did unless you had been determined to give it against me 
a dinner at mr musgrove's had been the occasion when all these things should have been seen by anne but she had stayed at home under the mixed plea of a headache of her own and some return of the indisposition in little charles she had thought only of avoiding captain wentworth but an escape from being appealed to as umpire was now added to the advantages of a quiet evening as to captain wentworth's views she deemed it of more consequence than he should know his own mind early enough not to be endangering the happiness of either sister or impeaching his own honour than that he should prefer henrietta to louisa or louisa to henrietta either of them would in all probability make him an affectionate good-humoured wife with regard to charles hayter she had delicacy which must be pained by any lightness of conduct in a well-meaning young woman and a heart to sympathize in any of the sufferings it occasioned but if henrietta found herself mistaken in the nature of her feelings the alteration could not be understood too soon charles hayter had met with much to disquiet and mortify him in his cousin's behaviour she had too old a regard for him to be so wholly estranged as might in two meetings extinguish every past hope and leave him nothing to do but to keep away from uppercross but there was such a change as became very alarming when such a man as captain wentworth was to be regarded as the probable cause he had been absent only two sundays and when they parted had left her interested even to the height of his wishes in his prospect of soon quitting his present curacy and obtaining that of uppercross instead it had then seemed the object nearest her heart that dr shirley the rector who for more than forty years had been zealously discharging all the duties of his office but was now growing too infirm for many of them should be quite fixed on engaging a curate should make his curacy quite as good as he could afford and should give charles hayter the promise of it the advantage of his having to come only to uppercross instead of going six miles another way of his having in every respect a better curacy of his belonging to their dear dr shirley and of dear good dr shirley's being relieved from the duty which he could no longer get through without most injurious fatigue had been a great deal even to louisa but had been almost everything to henrietta when he came back alas the zeal of the business was gone by louisa could not listen at all to his account of a conversation which he had just held with dr shirley she was at a window looking out for captain wentworth and even henrietta had at best only a divided attention to give and seemed to have forgotten all the former doubt and solicitude of the negotiation well i am very glad indeed but i always thought you would have it i always thought you sure it did not appear to me that in short you know dr shirley must have a curate and you had secured his promise is he coming louisa one morning very soon after the dinner at the musgroves at which anne had not been present captain wentworth walked into the drawing-room at the cottage where were only herself and the little invalid charles who was lying on the sofa the surprise of finding himself almost alone with anne elliot deprived his manners of their usual composure he started and could only say i thought the miss musgroves had been here mrs musgrove told me i should find them here before he walked to the window to recollect himself and feel how he ought to behave they are upstairs with my sister they will be down in a few moments i dare say had been anne's reply in all the confusion that was natural and if the child had not called her to come and do something for him she would have been out of the room the next moment and released captain wentworth as well as herself he continued at the window and after calmly and politely saying i hope the little boy is better was silent 
she was obliged to kneel down by the sofa and remain there to satisfy her patient and thus they continued a few minutes when to her very great satisfaction she heard some other person crossing the little vestibule she hoped on turning her head to see the master of the house but it proved to be one much less calculated for making matters easy charles hayter probably not at all better pleased by the sight of captain wentworth than captain wentworth had been by the sight of anne she only attempted to say how do you do will you not sit down the others will be here presently captain wentworth however came from his window apparently not ill-disposed for conversation but charles hayter soon put an end to his attempts by seating himself near the table and taking up the newspaper and captain wentworth returned to his window another minute brought another addition the younger boy a remarkable stout forward child of two years old having got the door open for him by some one without made his determined appearance among them and went straight to the sofa to see what was going on and put in his claim to anything good that might be giving away there being nothing to eat he could only have some play and as his aunt would not let him tease his sick brother he began to fasten himself upon her as she knelt in such a way that busy as she was about charles she could not shake him off she spoke to him ordered entreated and insisted in vain once she did contrive to push him away but the boy had the greater pleasure in getting upon her back again directly walter said she get down this moment you are extremely troublesome i am very angry with you walter cried charles hayter why do you not do as you are bid do you not hear your aunt speak come to me walter come to cousin charles but not a bit did walter stir in another moment however she found herself in the state of being released from him some one was taking him from her though he had bent down her head so much that his little sturdy hands were unfastened from around her neck and he was resultantly borne away before she knew that captain wentworth had done it her sensations on the discovery made her perfectly speechless she could not even thank him she could only hang over little charles with most disordered feelings his kindness in stepping forward to her relief the manner the silence in which it had passed the little particulars of the circumstance with the conviction soon forced on her by the noise he was studiously making with the child that he meant to avoid hearing her thanks and rather sought to testify that her conversation was the last thing of his wants produced such a confusion of varying but very painful agitation as she could not recover from till enabled by the entrance of mary and the miss musgroves to make over her little patient to their cares and leave the room she could not stay it might have been an opportunity of watching the loves and jealousies of the four they were now all together but she could stay for none of it it was evident that charles hayter was not well inclined toward captain wentworth she had a strong impression of his having said in a vexed tone of voice after captain wentworth's interference you ought to have minded me walter i told you not to tease your aunt and could comprehend his regretting that captain wentworth should do what he ought to have done himself but neither charles hayter's feelings nor anybody's feelings could interest her till she had a little better arranged her own she was ashamed of herself quite ashamed of being so nervous so overcome by such a trifle but so it was and it required a long application of solitude and reflection to recover her End of chapter nine chapter ten of persuasion other opportunities of making her observations could not fail to occur and had soon been in company with all the four together often enough to have an opinion though too wise to acknowledge as much at home 
where she knew it would have satisfied neither husband nor wife for while she considered louisa to be rather the favourite she could not but think as far as she might dare to judge from memory and experience that captain wentworth was not in love with either they were more in love with him yet there it was not love it was a little fever of admiration but it might probably must end in love with some charles hayter seemed aware of being slighted and yet henrietta had sometimes the air of being divided between them and longed for the power of representing to them all what they were about and of pointing out some of the evils they were exposing themselves to she did not attribute guile to any it was the highest satisfaction to her to believe captain wentworth not in the least aware of the pain he was occasioning there was no triumph no pitiful triumph in his manner he had probably never heard and never thought of any claims of charles hayter he was only wrong in accepting the attentions for accepting must be the word of two young women at once after a short struggle however charles hayter seemed to quit the field three days had passed without his coming once to uppercross a most decided change he had even refused one regular invitation to dinner and having been found on the occasion by mr musgrove with some large books before him mr and mrs musgrove were sure all could not be right and talked with grave faces of his studying himself to death it was mary's hope and belief that he had received a positive dismissal from henrietta and her husband lived under the constant dependence of seeing him to-morrow and could only feel that charles hayter was wise one morning about this time charles musgrove and captain wentworth being gone a-shooting together as the sisters in the cottage were sitting quietly at work they were visited at the window by the sisters from the mansion-house it was a very fine november day and the miss musgroves came through the little grounds and stopped for no other purpose than to say that they were going to take a long walk and therefore concluded mary could not like to go with them and when mary immediately replied with some jealousy at not being supposed a good walker oh yes i should like to join you very much i am very fond of a long walk and felt persuaded by the looks of the two girls that it was precisely what they did not wish and admired again the sort of necessity which the family habit seemed to produce of everything being to be communicated and everything being to be done together however undesired and inconvenient she tried to dissuade mary from going but in vain and that being the case thought it best to accept the miss musgrove's much more cordial invitation to herself to go likewise as she might be useful in turning back with her sister and lessening the interference in any plan of their own i cannot imagine why they should suppose i should not like a long walk said mary as she went upstairs everybody is always supposing that i am not a good walker and yet they would not have been pleased if we had refused to join them when people come in this manner on purpose to ask us how can one say no just as they were setting off the gentlemen returned they had taken out a young dog who had spoiled their sport and sent them back early their time and strength and spirits were therefore exactly ready for this walk and they entered into it with pleasure could anne have foreseen such a junction she would have stayed at home but from some feelings of interest and curiosity she fancied now that it was too late to retract and the whole six set forward together in the direction chosen by the miss musgroves who evidently considered the walk as under their guidance anne's object was not to be in the way of anybody and where the narrow paths across the fields made many separations necessary to keep with her brother and sister her pleasure in the walk must arise from the exercise and the day 
from the view of the last smiles of the year upon the tawny leaves and withered hedges and from repeating to herself some few of the thousand poetical descriptions extant of autumn that season of peculiar and inexhaustible influence on the mind of taste and tenderness that season which had drawn from every poet worthy of being read some attempt at description or some lines of feeling she occupied her mind as much as possible in such like musings and quotations but it was not possible that when within reach of captain wentworth's conversation with either of the miss musgroves she should not try to hear it yet she caught very little remarkable it was mere lively chat such as any young persons on an intimate footing might fall into he was more engaged with louisa than with henrietta louisa certainly put more forward for his notice than her sister this distinction appeared to increase and there was one speech of louisa's which struck her after one of the many praises of the day which were continually bursting forth captain wentworth added what glorious weather for the admiral and my sister they meant to take a long drive this morning perhaps we may hail them from some of these hills they talked of coming into this side of the country i wonder whereabouts they will upset to-day oh it does happen very often i assure you but my sister makes nothing of it she would as leave be tossed out as not ah oh, you make the most of it i know cried louisa but if it were really so i should do just the same in her place if i loved a man as she loves the admiral i would always be with him nothing should ever separate us and i would rather be overturned by him than driven safely by anybody else it was spoken with enthusiasm had you cried he catching the same tone i honour you and there was silence between them for a little while anne could not immediately fall into a quotation again the sweet scenes of autumn were for a while put by unless some tender sonnet fraught with the apt analogy of the declining year with declining happiness and the images of youth and hope and spring all gone together bless her memory she roused herself to say as they struck by order into another path is not this one of the ways to winthrop but nobody heard or at least nobody answered her winthrop however or its environs for young men are sometimes to be met with strolling about near home was their destination and after another half-mile of gradual ascent through large enclosures where the ploughs at work and the fresh made path spoke the farmer counteracting the sweets of poetical despondence and meaning to have spring again they gained the summit of the most considerable hill which parted upper cross and winthrop and soon commanded a full view of the latter at the foot of the hill on the other side winthrop without beauty and without dignity was stretched before them an indifferent house standing low and hemmed in by the barns and buildings of a farmyard mary exclaimed bless me here is winthrop i declare i had no idea well now i think we had better turn back i am excessively tired henrietta conscious and ashamed and seeing no cousin charles walking along any path or leaning against any gate was ready to do as mary wished but no said charles musgrove and no no cried louisa more eagerly and taking her sister aside seemed to be arguing the matter warmly charles in the meanwhile was very decidedly declaring his resolution of calling on his aunt now that he was so near and very evidently though more fearfully trying to induce his wife to go too but this was one of the points on which the lady showed her strength and when he recommended the advantage of resting herself a quarter of an hour at winthrop as she felt so tired she resolutely answered oh no indeed walking up that hill again would do her more harm than any sitting down could do her good and in short 
her look and manner declared that go she would not after a little succession of these sort of debates and consultations it was settled between charles and his two sisters that he and henrietta should just run down for a few minutes to see their aunt and cousins while the rest of the party waited for them at the top of the hill louisa seemed the principal arranger of the plan and as she went a little way with them down the hill still talking to henrietta mary took the opportunity of looking scornfully around her and saying to captain wentworth it is very unpleasant having such connections but i assure you i have never been in the house above twice in my life she received no other answer than an artificial assenting smile followed by a contemptuous glance as he turned away which anne perfectly knew the meaning of the brow of the hill where they remained was a cheerful spot louisa returned and mary finding a comfortable seat for herself on the step of a stile was very well satisfied so long as the others all stood about her but when louisa drew captain wentworth away to try for a gleaning of nuts in an adjoining hedgerow and they were gone by degrees quite out of sight and sound mary was happy no longer she quarrelled with her own seat was sure louisa had got a much better somewhere and nothing could prevent her from going to look for a better also she turned through the same gate but could not see them anne found a nice seat for her on a dry sunny bank under the hedgerow in which she had no doubt of their still being in some spot or other mary sat down for a moment but it would not do she was sure louisa had found a better seat somewhere else and she would go on till she overtook her anne really tired herself was glad to sit down and she very soon heard captain wentworth and louisa in the hedgerow behind her as if making their way back along the rough wild sort of channel down the centre they were speaking as they drew near louisa's voice was the first distinguished she seemed to be in the middle of some eager speech what anne first heard was and so i made her go i could not bear that she should be frightened from the visit by such nonsense what would i be turned back from doing a thing that i had determined to do and that i knew to be right by the airs and interference of such a person or of any person i may say no i have no idea of being so easily persuaded when i have made up my mind i have made it and henrietta seemed entirely to have made up hers to call at winthrop to-day and yet she was as near giving it up out of nonsensical complacence she would have turned back then but for you she would indeed i am almost ashamed to say it happy for her to have such a mind as yours at hand after the hints you gave just now which did but confirm my own observations the last time i was in company with him i need not affect to have no comprehension of what is going on i see the more than a mere dutiful morning visit to your aunt was in question and woe betide him and her too when it comes to things of consequence when they are placed in circumstances requiring fortitude and strength of mind if she have not resolution enough to resist idle interference in such a trifle as this your sister is an admirable creature but yours is a character of decision and firmness i see if you value her conduct or happiness infuse as much of your own spirit into her as you can but this no doubt you have been always doing it is the worst evil of too yielding and indecisive a character that no influence over it can be depended on you are never sure of a good impression being durable everybody may sway it let those who would be happy be firm here is a nut said he catching one down from an upper bough to exemplify a beautiful glossy nut which blessed with original strength has outlived all the storms of autumn not a puncture not a weak spot anywhere this nut he continued 
with playful solemnity while so many of his brethren have fallen and been trodden underfoot is still in possession of all the happiness that a hazelnut can be supposed capable of then returning to his former earnest tone my first wish for all whom i am interested in is that they should be firm if louisa musgrove would be beautiful and happy in her november of life she will cherish all her present powers of mind he had done and was unanswered it would have surprised anne if louisa could have readily answered such a speech words of such interest spoken with such serious warmth she could imagine what louisa was feeling for herself she feared to move lest she should be seen while she remained a bush of low rambling holly protected her and they were moving on before they were beyond her hearing however louisa spoke again mary is good-natured enough in many respects said she but she does sometimes provoke me excessively by her nonsense and pride the elliot pride she has a great deal too much of the elliot pride we do so wish that charles had married anne instead i suppose you know he wanted to marry anne after a moment's pause captain wentworth said do you mean that she refused him oh yes certainly when did that happen i do not exactly know for henrietta and i were at school at that time but i believe about a year before he married mary i wish he had accepted him we should all have liked her a great deal better and papa and mamma always think it was her great friend lady russell's doing that she did not they think charles might not be learned and bookish enough to please lady russell and that therefore she persuaded anne to refuse him the sounds were retreating and anne distinguished no more her own emotions still kept her fixed she had much to recover from before she could move the listener's proverbial fate was not absolutely hers she had heard no evil of herself but she had heard a great deal of very painful import she saw how her own character was considered by captain wentworth and there had been just that degree of feeling and curiosity about her in his manner which must give her extreme agitation as soon as she could she went after mary and having found and walked back with her to their former station by the stile felt some comfort in their whole party being immediately afterwards collected and once more in motion together her spirits wanted the solitude and silence which only numbers could give charles and henrietta returned bringing as may be conjectured charles hayter with them the minutiae of the business anne could not attempt to understand even captain wentworth did not seem admitted to perfect confidence here but that there had been a withdrawing on the gentleman's side and a relenting on the ladies and that they were now very glad to be together again did not admit a doubt henrietta looked a little ashamed but very well pleased charles hayter exceedingly happy and they were devoted to each other almost from the first instant of their all setting forward for uppercross everything now marked out louisa for captain wentworth nothing could be plainer and where many divisions were necessary or even where they were not they walked side by side nearly as much as the other two in a long strip of metal land where there was ample space for all they were thus divided forming three distinct parties and to that party of the three which boasted least animation and least complaisance and necessarily belonged she joined charles and mary and was tired enough to be very glad of charles's other arm but charles though in very good humour with her was out of temper with his wife 
mary had shown herself disobliging to him and was now to reap the consequence which consequence was his dropping her arm almost every moment to cut off the heads of some nettles in the hedge with his switch and when mary began to complain of it and lament her being ill-used according to custom in being on the hedge side while anne was never incommoded on the other he dropped the arms of both to hunt after a weasel which he had a momentary glance of and they could hardly get him along at all this long meadow bordered a lane which their footpath at the end of it was to cross and when the party had all reached the gate of exit the carriage advancing in the same direction which had been some time heard was just coming up and proved to be admiral cross gig he and his wife had taken their intended drive and were returning home upon hearing how long a walk the young people had engaged in they kindly offered a seat to any lady who might be particularly tired it would save her a full mile and they were going through uppercross the invitation was general and generally declined the miss musgroves were not at all tired and mary was either offended by not being asked before any of the others or what louisa called the elliot pride could not endure to make a third in a one-horse chaise the walking-party had crossed the lane and were surmounting an opposite stile and the admiral was putting his horse in motion again when captain wentworth cleared the hedge in a moment to say something to his sister the something might be guessed by its effects miss elliot i am sure you are tired cried mrs croft do let us have the pleasure of taking you home here is excellent room for three i assure you if we were all like you i believe we might sit four you must indeed you must anne was still in the lane and though instinctively beginning to decline she was not allowed to proceed the admiral's kind urgency came in support of his wife's and they would not be refused they compressed themselves into the smallest possible space to leave her a corner and captain wentworth without saying a word turned to her and quietly obliged her to be assisted into the carriage yes he had done it she was in the carriage and felt that he had placed her there that his will and his hands had done it that she owed it to his perception of her fatigue and his resolution to give her rest she was very much affected by the view of his disposition towards her which all these things made apparent this little circumstance seemed the completion of all that had gone before she understood him he could not forgive her but he could not be unfeeling though condemning her for the past and considering it with high and unjust resentment though perfectly careless of her and though becoming attached to another still he could not see her suffer without the desire of giving her relief it was a remainder of former sentiment it was an impulse of pure though unacknowledged friendship it was a proof of his own warm and amiable heart which she could not contemplate without emotions so compounded of pleasure and pain that she knew not which prevailed her answers to the kindness and remarks of her companions were at first unconsciously given they had travelled half their way along the rough lane before she was quite awake to what they said she then found them talking of frederick he certainly means to have one or other of those two girls sophie said the admiral but there is no saying which he has been running after them too long enough one would think to make up his mind ay this comes of the peace if it were war now he would have settled it long ago we sailors miss elliot cannot afford to make long courtships in time of war how many days was it my dear between the first time of my seeing you and our sitting down together in our lodgings at north yarmouth we had better not talk about it my dear replied mrs croft pleasantly for if miss elliot were to hear how soon we came to an understanding she would never be persuaded that we could be happy together i had known you by character however long before 
well and i had heard of you as a very pretty girl and what were we to wait for besides i do not like having such things go long in hand i wish frederick would spread a little more canvas and bring us home one of these young ladies to kellynich then there would always be company for them and very nice young ladies they both are i hardly know one from the other very good-humoured unaffected girls indeed said mrs croft in a tone of calmer praise such as made anne suspect that her keener powers might not consider either of them quite worthy of her brother and a very respectable family one could not be connected with better people my dear admiral that post we shall certainly take that post but by coolly giving the reins a better direction herself they happily passed the danger and by once afterwards judiciously putting out her hand they neither fell into a rut nor ran afoul of a dung-cart and anne with some amusement at their style of driving which she imagined no bad representation of the general guidance of their affairs found herself safely deposited by them at the cottage End of chapter ten chapter eleven of persuasion the time now approached for lady russell's return the day was even fixed and anne being engaged to join her as soon as she was resettled was looking forward to an early removal to kellynich and beginning to think how her own comfort was likely to be affected by it it would place her in the same village with captain wentworth within half a mile of him they would have to frequent the same church and there must be intercourse between the two families this was against her but on the other hand he spent so much of his time at uppercross that in removing thence she might be considered rather as leaving him behind than as going towards him and upon the whole she believed she must on this interesting question be the gainer almost as certainly as in her change of domestic society in leaving poor mary for lady russell she wished it might be possible for her to avoid ever seeing captain wentworth at the hall those rooms had witnessed former meetings which would be brought too painfully before her but she was yet more anxious for the possibility of lady russell and captain wentworth never meeting anywhere they did not like each other and no renewal of acquaintance now could do any good and were lady russell to see them together she might think that he had too much self-possession and she too little these points formed her chief solicitude in anticipating her removal from uppercross where she felt she had been stationed quite long enough her usefulness to little charles would always give some sweetness to the memory of her two months visit there but he was gaining strength apace and she had nothing else to stay for the conclusion of her visit however was diversified in a way which she had not at all imagined captain wentworth after being unseen and unheard at uppercross for two whole days appeared again among them to justify himself by relation of what had kept him away a letter from his friend captain harville having found him out at last had brought intelligence of captain harville's being settled with his family at lyme for the winter of their being therefore quite unknowingly within twenty miles of each other captain harville had never been in good health since a severe wound which he received two years before and captain wentworth's anxiety to see him had determined him to go immediately to lyme he had been there for four-and-twenty hours his acquittal was complete his friendship warmly honoured a lively interest excited for his friend and his description of the fine country about lyme so feelingly attended to by the party that an earnest desire to see lyme themselves and a project for going thither was the consequence the young people were all wild to see lyme captain wentworth talked of going there again himself it was only seventeen miles from uppercross though november the weather was by no means bad 
and in short louisa who was the most eager of the eager having formed the resolution to go and besides the pleasure of doing as she liked being now armed with the idea of merit in maintaining her own way wore down all the wishes of her father and mother for putting it off till summer and to lyme they were to go charles mary anne henrietta louisa and captain wentworth the first heedless scheme had been to go in the morning and return at night but to this mr musgrove for the sake of his horses would not consent and when it came to be rashly considered a day in the middle of november would not leave much time for seeing a new place after deducting seven hours as the nature of the country required for going and returning they were consequently to stay the night there and not to be expected back till the next day's dinner this was felt to be a considerable amendment and though they all met at the great house at rather an early breakfast hour and set off very punctually it was so much past noon before the two carriages mr musgrove's coach containing the four ladies and charles's curricle in which he drove captain wentworth were descending the long hill into lyme and entering upon the still steeper street of the town itself that it was very evident they would not have more than time for looking about them before the light and warmth of the day were gone after securing accommodations and ordering a dinner at one of the inns the next thing to be done was unquestionably to walk directly down to the sea they were come too late in the year for any amusement or variety which lyme as a public place might offer the rooms were shut up the lodgers almost all gone scarcely any family but their residents left and as there is nothing to admire in the buildings themselves the remarkable situation of the town the principal street almost hurrying into the water the walk to the cob skirting around the pleasant little bay which in the season is animated with bathing machines and company the cop itself its old wonders and new improvements with a very beautiful line of cliffs stretching out to the east of the town are what the stranger's eyes will seek and a very strange stranger it must be who does not see charms in the immediate environs of lyme to make him wish to know it better the scenes in its neighbourhood charmouth with its high grounds and extensive sweeps of country and still more its sweet retired bay backed by dark cliffs where fragments of low rock among the sands make it the happiest spot for watching the flow of the tide for sitting in unwearied contemplation the woody varieties of cheerful village of uplime and above all piney with its green chasms between rheumatic rocks where the scattered forest trees and orchards of luxuriant growth declare that many a generation must have passed away since the first partial falling of the cliff prepared the ground for such a state where a scene so wonderful and so lovely is exhibited as may more than equal any of the resembling scenes of the far-famed isle of white these places must be visited and visited again to make the worth of lime understood the party from uppercross passing down by now deserted melancholy-looking rooms and still descending soon found themselves on the seashore and lingering only as all must linger and gaze on a first return to the sea whoever deserved to look on it at all proceeded toward the cob equally their object in itself and on captain wentworth's account for in a small house near the foot of an old pier of unknown date were the harvilles settled captain wentworth turned in to call on his friend the others walked on and he was to join them on the cob they were by no means tired of wondering and admiring and not even louisa seemed to feel that they had parted with captain wentworth long when they saw him coming after them with three companions all well known already by description to be captain and mrs harville and a captain benwick who was staying with them 
captain benwick had some time ago been first lieutenant of the laconia and the account which captain wentworth had given on him on his return from lyme before his warm praise of him as an excellent young man and an officer whom he had always valued highly which must have stamped him well in the esteem of every listener had been followed by a little history of his private life which rendered him perfectly interesting in the eyes of all the ladies he had been engaged to captain harville's sister and was now mourning her loss they had been a year or two waiting for fortune and promotion fortune came his price money as lieutenant being great promotion too came at last but fanny harville did not live to know it she had died the preceding summer while he was at sea captain wentworth believed it impossible for man to be more attached to woman than poor benwick had been to fanny harville or to be more deeply afflicted under the dreadful change he considered his disposition as of the sort which must suffer heavily uniting very strong feelings with quiet serious and retiring manners and a decided taste for reading and sedentary pursuits to finish the interest of the story the friendship between him and the harville seemed if possible augmented by the event which closed all their views of alliance and captain benwick was now living with them entirely captain harville had taken his present house for half a year his taste and his health and his fortune all directing him to a residence inexpensive and by the sea and the grandeur of the country and the retirement of lyme in the winter appeared exactly adapted to captain benwick's state of mind the sympathy and good-will excited towards captain benwick was very great and yet said anne to herself as they now moved forward to meet the party he has not perhaps a more sorrowing heart than i have i cannot believe his prospects so blighted for ever he is younger than i am younger in feeling if not in fact younger as a man he will rally again and be happy with another they all met and were introduced captain harville was a tall dark man with a sensible benevolent countenance a little lame and from strong features and want of health looking much older than captain wentworth captain benwick looked and was the youngest of the three and compared with either of them a little man he had a pleasing face and a melancholy air just as he ought to have and drew back from conversation captain harville though not equalling captain wentworth in manners was a perfect gentleman unaffected warm and obliging mrs harville a degree less polished than her husband seemed however to have the same good feelings and nothing could be more pleasant than their desire of considering the whole party as friends of their own because the friends of captain wentworth were more kindly hospitable than their entreaties for their all promising to dine with them the dinner already ordered at the inn was at last though unwillingly accepted as an excuse but they seemed almost hurt that captain wentworth should have brought any such party to lyme without considering it as a thing of course that they should dine with them there was so much attachment to captain wentworth in all this and such a bewitching charm in a degree of hospitality so uncommon so unlike the usual style of give-and-take invitations and dinners of formality and display that anne felt her spirits not likely to be benefited by an increasing acquaintance among his brother officers these would have been all my friends was her thought and she had to struggle against a great tendency to lowness on quitting the cob they all went indoors with their new friends and found rooms so small as none but those who invite from the heart could think capable of accommodating so many anne had a moment's astonishment on the subject herself 
but it was soon lost in the pleasanter feelings which sprang from the sight of all the ingenious contrivances and nice arrangements of captain harville to turn the actual space to the best account to supply the deficiencies of lodging-house furniture and defend the windows and doors against the winter storms to be expected the varieties in the fitting up of the rooms where the common necessities provided by the owner in the common indifferent flight were contrasted with some few articles of a rare species of wood excellently worked up and with something curious and valuable from all the distant countries captain harville had visited were more than amusing to anne connected as it all was with his profession the fruit of his labors the effect of its influence on his habits the picture of repose and domestic happiness it presented made it to her a something more or less than gratification captain harville was no reader but he had contrived excellent accommodations and fashioned very pretty shelves for a tolerable collection of well-bound volumes the property of captain benwick his lameness prevented him from taking much exercise but a mind of usefulness and ingenuity seemed to furnish him with the constant employment within he drew he varnished he carpentered he glued he made toys for the children he fashioned new netting needles and pins with improvements and if everything else was done sat down to his large fishing net at one corner of the room anne thought she left great happiness behind her when they quitted the house and louisa by whom she found herself walking burst forth into raptures of admiration and delight on the character of the navy their friendliness their brotherliness their openness their uprightness protesting that she was convinced of sailors having more worth and warmth than any other set of men in england that they only knew how to live and they only deserved to be respected and loved they went back to dress and dine and so well had the scheme answered already that nothing was found amiss though its being so entirely out of season and the no thoroughfare of lime and the no expectation of company had brought many apologies from the heads of the inn anne found herself by this time growing so much more hardened to being in captain wentworth's company than she had at first imagined could ever be that the setting down to the same table with him now and the interchange of the common civilities attending on it they never got beyond was become a mere nothing the nights were too dark for the ladies to meet again till the morrow but captain harville had promised them a visit in the evening and he came bringing his friend ossel which was more than had been expected it having been agreed that captain benwick had all the appearance of being oppressed by the presence of so many strangers he ventured among them again however though his spirit certainly did not seem fit for the mirth of the party in general while captains wentworth and harville led the talk on one side of the room and by recurring to former days supplied anecdotes in abundance to occupy and entertain the others it fell to anne's lot to be placed rather apart with captain benwick and a very good impulse of her nature obliged her to begin an acquaintance with him he was shy and disposed to abstraction but the engaging mildness of her countenance and gentleness of her manners soon had their effect and anne was well repaid the first trouble of exertion he was evidently a young man of considerable taste in reading though principally in poetry and besides the persuasion of having given him at least an evening's indulgence in the discussion of subjects which his usual companions had probably no concern in she had the hope of being of real use to him in some suggestions as to the duty and benefit of struggling against affliction which had naturally grown out of their conversation 
for though shy he did not seem reserved it had rather the appearance of feelings glad to burst their usual restraints and having talked of poetry the richness of the present age and gone through a brief comparison of opinion as to the first-rate poets trying to ascertain whether marmion or the lady of the lake were to be preferred and how ranked the gyre and the bride of abydos and moreover how the gyre was to be pronounced he showed himself so intimately acquainted with all the tenderest songs of the one poet and all the impassioned descriptions of hopeless agony of the other he repeated with such tremulous feelings the various lines which imagined a broken heart or a mind destroyed by wretchedness and looked so entirely as if he meant to be understood that she ventured to hope he did not always read only poetry and to say that she thought it was the misfortune of poetry to be seldom safely enjoyed by those who enjoyed it completely and that the strong feelings which alone could estimate it truly were the very feelings which ought to taste it but sparingly his looks showing him not pained but pleased with this allusion to his situation she was emboldened to go on and feeling in herself the right of seniority of mind she ventured to recommend a larger allowance of prose in his daily study and on being requested to particularize mentioned such works of our best moralists such collections of the finest letters such memoirs of characters of worth and suffering as occurred to her at the moment as calculated to rouse and fortify the mind by the highest precepts and the strongest examples of moral and religious endurances captain benwick listened attentively and seemed grateful for the interest implied and though with a shake of the head and sighs which declared his little faith in the efficacy of any books on grief like his noted down the names of those she recommended and promised to procure and read them when the evening was over anne could not but be amused at the idea of her coming to lyme to preach patience and resignation to a young man whom she had never seen before nor could she help fearing on more serious reflection that like many other great moralists and preachers she had been eloquent on a point in which her own conduct would ill bear examination End of chapter eleven chapter twelve of persuasion anne and henrietta finding themselves the earliest of the party the next morning agreed to stroll down to the sea before breakfast they went to the sands to watch the flowing of the tide which a fine south-easterly breeze was bringing in with all the grandeur which so flat a shore admitted they praised the morning gloried in the sea sympathized with the delight of the fresh feeling breeze and were silent till henrietta suddenly began again with oh yes i am quite convinced that with very few exceptions the sea air always does good there can be no doubt of its having been the greatest service to dr shirley after his illness last spring twelvemonth he declares himself that coming to lyme for a month did him more good than all the medicine he took and that being by the sea always makes him feel young again now i cannot help thinking it a pity that he does not live entirely by the sea i do think he had better leave uppercross entirely and fix at lyme do not you anne do not you agree with me that it is the best thing he could do both for himself and mrs shirley she has cousins here you know and many acquaintance which would make it cheerful for her and i am sure she would be glad to get a place where she could have medical attendance at hand in case of his having another seizure indeed i think it quite melancholy to have such excellent people as dr and mrs shirley who have been doing good all their lives wearing out their last days in a place like uppercross where excepting our family they seem shut out from all the world i wish his friends would propose it to him 
i really think they ought and as to procuring a dispensation there could be no difficulty at his time of life and with his character my only doubt is whether anything could persuade him to leave his parish he is so very strict and scrupulous in his notions overscrupulous i must say do not you think anne it is being overscrupulous do not you think it is quite a mistaken point of conscience when a clergyman sacrifices his health for the sake of duties which may be just as well performed by another person and at lyme too only seventeen miles off he would be near enough to hear if people thought there was anything to complain of anne smiled more than once to herself during this speech and entered into the subject as ready to do good by entering into the feelings of a young lady as of a young man though here it was good of a lower standard for what could be offered but general acquiescence she said all that was reasonable and proper on the business felt the claims of dr shirley to repose as she ought saw how very desirable it was that he should have some active respectable young man as a resident curate and was even courteous enough to hint at the advantage of such resident curates being married i wish said henrietta very well pleased with her companion i wish lady russell lived at uppercross and were intimate with dr shirley i have always heard of lady russell as a woman of the greatest influence with everybody i always look upon her as able to persuade a person to anything i am afraid of her as i have told you before quite afraid of her because she is so very clever but i respect her amazingly and wish we had such a neighbor at uppercross anne was amused by henrietta's manner of being grateful and amused also that the course of events and the new interest of henrietta's views should have placed her friend at all in favor with any of the musgrove family she had only time however for a general answer and a wish that such another woman were at uppercross before all subjects suddenly ceased on seeing louisa and captain wentworth coming towards them they came also for a stroll till breakfast was likely to be ready but louisa recollecting immediately afterwards that she had something to procure at a shop invited them all to go back with her into the town they were all at her disposal when they came to the steps leading upwards from the beach a gentleman at the same moment preparing to come down politely drew back and stopped to give them way they ascended and passed him and as they passed anne's face caught his eye and he looked at her with a degree of earnest admiration which she could not be insensible of she was looking remarkably well her very regular very pretty features having the bloom and freshness of youth restored by the fine wind which had been blowing on her complexion and by the animation of eye which it had also produced it was evident that the gentleman completely a gentleman in manner admired her exceedingly captain wentworth looked round at her instantly in a way which showed his noticing of it he gave her a momentary glance a glance of brightness which seemed to say that man is stuck with you and even i at this moment see something like anne elliot again after attending louisa through her business and loitering about a little longer they returned to the inn and anne in passing afterwards quickly from her own chamber to their dining-room had nearly run against the very same gentleman as he came out of an adjoining apartment she had before conjectured him to be a stranger like themselves and determined that a well-looking groom who was strolling about near the two inns as they came back should be his servant both master and man being in mourning assisted the idea 
it was now proved that he belonged to the same inn as themselves and this second meeting short as it was also proved again by the gentleman's looks that he thought hers very lovely and by the readiness and propriety of his apologies that he was a man of exceedingly good manners he seemed about thirty and though not handsome had an agreeable person and felt that she should like to know who he was they had nearly done breakfast when the sound of a carriage almost the first they had heard since entering lyme drew half the party to the window it was a gentleman's carriage a curricle and only coming round from the stable-yard to the front door somebody must be going away it was driven by a servant in mourning the word curricle made charles musgrove jump up that he might compare it with his own the servant in mourning roused anne's curiosity and the whole six were collected to look by the time the owner of the curricle was to be seen issuing from the door amidst the bows and civilities of the household and taking his seat to drive off ah cried captain wentworth instantly and with half a glance at anne it is the very man we passed the miss musgroves agreed to it and having all kindly watched him as far up the hill as they could they returned to the breakfast-table the waiter came into the room soon afterwards pray said captain wentworth immediately can you tell us the name of the gentleman who is just gone away yes sir a mr elliot a gentleman of large fortune came in last night from sidmouth dare say you heard the carriage sir while you were at dinner and going on now for cruin in his way to bath and london elliot many had looked on each other and many had repeated the name before all this had been got through even by the smart rapidity of a waiter bless me cried mary it must be our cousin it must be our mr elliot it must indeed charles anne must not it in mourning you see just as our mr elliot must be how very extraordinary in the very same inn with us anne must not it be our mr elliot my father's next heir pray sir turning to the waiter did not you hear did not his servant say whether he belonged to the kellynich family no ma'am he did not mention no particular family but he said his master was a very rich gentleman and would be a baronet some day there you see cried mary in an ecstasy just as i said heir to sir walter elliot i was sure that would come out if it was so depend upon it that is a circumstance which his servants take care to publish wherever he goes but anne only conceive how extraordinary i wish i had looked at him more i wish we had been aware in time who it was that he might have been introduced to us what a pity that we should not have been introduced to each other do you think he had the elliot countenance i hardly looked at him i was looking at the horses but i think he had something of the elliot countenance i wonder the arms did not strike me oh the great coat was hanging over the panel and hid the arms so it did otherwise i am sure i should have observed them and the livery too if the servant had not been in mourning one should have known him by the livery putting all these extraordinary circumstances together said captain wentworth we must consider it to be the arrangement of providence that you should not be introduced to your cousin when she could command mary's attention and quietly tried to convince her that their father and mr elliot had not for many years been on such terms as to make the power of attempting an introduction at all desirable at the same time however it was a secret gratification to herself to have seen her cousin and to know that the future owner of kellynich was undoubtedly a gentleman and had an air of good sense she would not upon any account mention her having met with him the second time luckily mary did not much attend to their having passed close by him in their earlier walk but she would have felt quite ill-used by anne's having actually run against him in the passage and received his very polite excuses while she had never been near him at all 
no that cousinly little interview must remain a perfect secret of course said mary you will mention our seeing mr elliot the next time you write to bath i think my father certainly ought to hear of it do mention all about him anne avoided a direct reply but it was just the circumstance which she considered as not merely unnecessary to be communicated but as what ought to be suppressed the offence which had been given her father many years back she knew elizabeth's particular share in it she suspected and that mr elliot's idea always produced irritation in both was beyond a doubt mary never wrote to bath herself all the toil of keeping up a slow and unsatisfactory correspondence with elizabeth fell on anne breakfast had not been long over when they were joined by captain and mrs harville and captain benwick with whom they had appointed to take their last walk about lyme they ought to be setting off for uppercross by one and in the meanwhile were to be off together and out of doors as long as they could anne found captain benwick getting near her as soon as they were off fairly in the street their conversation the preceding evening did not disincline him to seek her again and they walked together some time talking as before of mr scott and lord bryan and still as unable as before and as unable as any other two readers to think exactly alike of the merits of either till something occasioned an almost general change amongst their party and instead of captain benwick she had captain harville by her side miss elliot said he speaking rather low you have done a good deed in making that poor fellow talk so much i wish he could have such company oftener it is bad for him i know to be shut up as he is but what can we do we cannot part no said anne that i can easily believe to be impossible but in time perhaps we know what time does in every case of affliction and you must remember captain harville that your friend may yet be called a young mourner only last summer i understand ay true enough with a deep sigh only june and not known to him perhaps so soon not till the first week of august when he came home from the cape just made into the grappler i was at plymouth dreading to hear of him he sent in letters but the grappler was under orders for portsmouth there the news must follow him but who was to tell it not i i would as soon have been run up to the yard-arm nobody could do it but that good fellow pointing to captain wentworth the laconia had come into portsmouth the week before no danger for being sent to sea again he stood his chance for the rest rode up for leave of absence but without waiting the return travelled night and day till he got to portsmouth rode off to the grappler that instant and never left the poor fellow for a week that's what he did and nobody else could have saved poor james you may think miss elliot whether he is dear to us anne did think on the question with perfect decision and said as much in reply as her own feeling could accomplish or as his seemed able to bear for he was too much affected to renew the subject and when he spoke again it was of something totally different mrs harville's giving it as her opinion that her husband would have quite walking enough by the time he reached home determined the direction of all the party in what was to be their last walk they would accompany them to their door and then return and set off themselves by all their calculations there was just time for this but as they drew near the cob there was such a general wish to walk along it once more all were so inclined and louisa soon grew so determined that the difference of a quarter of an hour it was found would be no difference at all so with all the kind leave-taking and all the kind interchange of invitations and promises which may be imagined they parted from captain and mrs harville at their own door and still accompanied by captain benwick who seemed to cling to them to the last proceeded to make the proper adieus to the cob 
Anne found Captain Benwick again drawing near her. Lord Byron's dark blue seas could not fail of being brought forward by their present view, and she gladly gave him all her attention as long as attention was possible. It was soon drawn, perforce another way. There was too much wind to make the high part of the new cob pleasant for the ladies, and they agreed to get down the steps to the lower, and all were contented to pass quietly and carefully down the steep flight, excepting Louisa. She must be jumped down by them by Captain Wentworth, in all their walks he had had to jump her from the stiles the sensation was delightful to her the hardness of the pavement for her feet made him less willing upon the present occasion he did it however she was safely down and instantly to show her enjoyment ran up the steps to be jumped down again he advised her against it thought the jar too great but no he reasoned and talked in vain she smiled and said i am determined i will he put out his hands she was too precipitate by half a second she fell on the pavement on the lower cob and was taken up lifeless there was no wound no blood no visible bruise but her eyes were closed she breathed not her face was like death the horror of the moment to all who stood around captain wentworth who had caught her up knelt with her in his arms looking on her with a face as pallid as her own in an agony of silence she is dead she is dead screamed mary catching hold of her husband and contributing with his own horror to make him immovable and in another moment henrietta sinking under the conviction lost her senses too and would have fallen on the steps but for captain benwick and anne who caught and supported her between them is there no one to help me were the first words which burst from captain wentworth in a tone of despair and as if all his own strength were gone go to him go to him cried anne for heaven's sake go to him i can support her myself leave me and go to him rubber hands rubber temples here are salts take them take them captain benwick obeyed and charles at the same moment disengaging himself from his wife they were both with him and louisa was raised up and supported more firmly between them and everything was done that anne had prompted but in vain while captain wentworth staggering against the wall for his support exclaimed in the bitterest agony oh god her father and mother a surgeon said anne he caught the word it seemed to rouse him at once and saying only true true a surgeon this instant was darting away when anne eagerly suggested captain benwick would not it be better for captain benwick he knows where a surgeon is to be found every one capable of thinking felt the advantage of the idea and in a moment it was all done in rapid moments captain benwick had resigned the poor corpse-like figure entirely to the brother's care and was off for the town with the utmost rapidity as to the wretched party left behind it could scarcely be said which of the three who were completely rational was suffering most captain wentworth anne or charles who really a very affectionate brother hung over louisa with sobs of grief and could only turn his eyes from one sister to see the other in a state as insensible or to witness the hysterical agitations of his wife calling on him for help which he could not give anne attending with all the strength and zeal and thought which instinct supplied to henrietta still tried at intervals to suggest comfort to the others tried to quiet mary to animate charles to assuage the feelings of captain wentworth both seemed to look to her for directions anne anne cried charles what is to be done next what in heaven's name is to be done next captain wentworth's eyes were also turned towards her had not she better be carried to the inn yes i am sure carry her gently to the inn yes yes to the inn repeated captain wentworth comparatively collected and eager to be doing something i will carry her myself musgrove take care of the others 
by this time the report of the accident had spread among the workmen and boatmen about the cob and many were collected near them to be useful if wanted at any rate to enjoy the sight of a dead young lady nay two dead young ladies for it proved twice as fine as the first report to some of the best-looking of these good people henrietta was consigned for though partially revived she was quite helpless and in this manner anne walking by her side and charles attending to his wife they set forward treading back with feelings unutterable the ground which so lately so very lately and the light of heart they had passed along they were not off the cob before the harvilles met them captain benwick had been seen flying by their house with a countenance which showed something to be wrong and they had set off immediately informed and directed as they passed towards the spot shocked as captain harville was he brought senses and nerves that could be instantly useful and a look between him and his wife decided what was to be done she must be taken to their house all must go to their house and await the surgeon's arrival there they would not listen to scruples he was obeyed they were all beneath his roof and while louisa under mrs harville's direction was conveyed upstairs and given possession of her own bed assistance cordials restoratives were supplied by her husband to all who needed them louisa had once opened her eyes but soon closed them again without apparent consciousness this had been a proof of life however of service to her sister and henrietta though perfectly incapable of being in the same room with louisa was kept by the agitation of hope and fear from a return of her own insensibility mary too was growing calmer the surgeon was with them almost before it had seemed possible they were sick with horror while he examined but he was not hopeless the head had received a severe contusion but he had seen greater injuries recovered from he was by no means hopeless he spoke cheerfully that he did not regard it as a desperate case that he did not say a few hours must end it was at first felt beyond the hope of most and the ecstasy of such a reprieve the rejoicing deep and silent after a few fervent ejaculations of gratitude to heaven had been offered may be conceived the tone the look with which thank god was uttered by captain wentworth and was sure could never be forgotten by her nor the sight of him afterwards as he sat near a table leaning over it with folded arms and face concealed as if overpowered by the various feelings of his soul and trying by prayer and reflection to calm them louisa's limbs had escaped there was no injury but to the head it now became necessary for the party to consider what was best to be done as to their general situation they were now able to speak to each other and consult that louisa must remain where she was however distressing to her friends to be involving the harvilles in such trouble did not admit a doubt her removal was impossible the harvilles silenced all scruples and as much as they could all gratitude they had looked forward and arranged everything before the others began to reflect captain benwick must give up his room to them and get another bed elsewhere and the whole was settled they were only concerned that the house could accommodate no more and yet perhaps by putting the children away in the maid's room or swinging a cot somewhere they could hardly bear to think of not finding room for two or three besides supposing they might wish to stay though with regard to any attendance on miss musgrove there need not be the least uneasiness in leaving her to mrs harville's care entirely mrs harville was a very experienced nurse and her nursery-maid who had lived with her long and gone about with her everywhere was just such another between these two she could want no possible attendance by day or night and all this was said with a truth and sincerity of feeling irresistible 
charles henrietta and captain wentworth were the three in consultation and for a little while it was only an interchange of perplexity and terror uppercross the necessity of someone's going to uppercross the news to be conveyed how it could be broken to mr and mrs musgrove the lateness of the morning an hour already gone since they ought to have been off the impossibility of being intolerable time at first they were capable of nothing more to the purpose than such exclamations but after a while captain wentworth exerting himself said we must be decided and without the loss of another minute every minute is valuable someone must resolve on being off for uppercross instantly musgrove either you or i must go charles agreed but declared his resolution of not going away he would be as little encumbrance as possible to captain and mrs harville but as to leaving his sister in such a state he neither ought nor would so far it was decided and henrietta at first declared the same she however was soon persuaded to think differently the usefulness of her staying she who had not been able to remain in louise's room or to look at her without sufferings which made her worse than helpless she was forced to acknowledge that she could do no good yet was still unwilling to be away till touched by the thought of her father and mother she gave it up she consented she was anxious to be at home the plan had reached this point when anne coming quietly down from louise's room could not but hear what followed for the parlor door was open then it is settled musgrove cried captain wentworth that you stay and that i take care of your sister home but as to the rest as to the others if one stays to assist mrs harville i think it need be only one mrs charles musgrove will of course wish to get back to her children but if anne will stay no one so proper so capable as anne she paused a moment to recover from the emotion of hearing herself so spoken of the other two warmly agreed with what he said and she then appeared you will stay i am sure you will stay and nurse her cried he turning to her and speaking with a glow and yet a gentleness which seemed almost restoring the past she coloured deeply and he recollected himself and moved away she expressed herself most willing ready happy to remain it was what she had been thinking of and wishing to be allowed to do a bed on the floor in louise's room would be sufficient for her if mrs harville would but think so one thing more and all seemed arranged though it was rather desirable that mr and mrs musgrove should be previously alarmed by some share of delay yet the time required by the uppercross horses to take them back would be a dreadful extension of suspense and captain wentworth proposed and charles musgrove agreed that it would be much better for him to take a chaise from the inn and leave mr musgrove's carriage and horses to be sent home the next morning early when there would be the farther advantage of sending an account of louise's night captain wentworth now hurried off to get everything ready on his part and to be soon followed by the two ladies when the plan was made known to mary however there was an end of all peace in it she was so wretched and so vehement complained so much of injustice in being expected to go away instead of anne anne who was nothing to louisa while she was her sister and had the best right to stay in henrietta's stead why was not she to be as useful as anne and to go home without charles too without her husband no it was too unkind and in short she said more than her husband could long withstand and as none of the others could oppose when he gave way there was no help for it the change of mary for anne was inevitable anne had never submitted more reluctantly to the jealous and ill-judging claims of mary but so it must be 
and they set off for the town charles taking care of his sister and captain benwick attending to her she gave a moment's recollection as they hurried along to the little circumstances which the same spots had witnessed earlier in the morning there she had listened to henrietta's schemes for dr shirley's leaving uppercross farther on she had first seen mr elliot a moment seemed all that could now be given to any one but louisa or those who were wrapped up in her welfare captain benwick was most considerably attentive to her and united as they all seemed by the distress of the day she felt an increasing degree of good-will towards him and a pleasure even in thinking that it might perhaps be the occasion of continuing their acquaintance captain wentworth was on the watch for them and a chaise and four in waiting stationed for their convenience in the lowest part of the street but his evident surprise and vexation at the substitution of one sister for the other the change in his countenance the astonishment the expressions begun and suppressed with which charles was listened to made but a mortifying reception of anne or must at least convince her that she was valued only as she could be useful to louisa she endeavoured to be composed and to be just without emulating the feelings of an emma towards her henry she would have attended on louisa with a zeal above the common claims of regard for his sake and she hoped he would not long be so unjust as to suppose she would shrink unnecessarily from the office of a friend in the meanwhile she was in the carriage he had handed them both in and placed himself between them and in this manner under these circumstances full of astonishment and emotion to anne she quitted lyme how the long stage would pass how it was to affect their manners what was to be their sort of intercourse she could not foresee it was all quite natural however he was devoted to henrietta always turning towards her and when he spoke at all always with the view of supporting her hopes and raising her spirits in general his voice and manner were studiously calm to spare henrietta from agitation seemed the governing principle once only when she had been grieving over the last ill-judged ill-fated walk to the cob bitterly lamenting that it ever had been thought of he burst forth as if woefully overcome don't talk of it don't talk of it he cried o oh god that i had not given way to her at the fatal moment had i done as i ought but so eager and so resolute dear sweet louisa anne wondered whether it ever occurred to him now to question the justness of his own previous opinion as to the universal felicity and advantage of firmness of character and whether it might not strike him that like all other qualities of the mind it should have its proportions and limits she thought it could scarcely escape him to feel that a persuadable temper might sometimes be as in much in favour of happiness as a very resolute character they got on fast anne was astonished to recognise the same hills and the same objects so soon their actual speed heightened by some dread of the conclusion made the road appear but half as long as the day before it was growing quite dusk however before they were in the neighbourhood of uppercross and there had been total silence among them for some time henrietta leaning back in the corner with a shawl over her face giving the hope of her having cried herself to sleep when as they were going up their last hill anne found herself all at once addressed by captain wentworth in a low cautious voice he said i have been considering what we had best do she must not appear at first she could not stand it i have been thinking whether you had not better remain in the carriage with her while i go in and break it to mr and mrs musgrove do you think this is a good plan she did he was satisfied and said no more but the remembrance of the appeal remained a pleasure to her as a proof of friendship and a deference for her judgment 
a great pleasure and when it became a sort of parting proof its value did not lessen when the distressing communication in uppercross was over and he had seen the father and mother quite as composed as could be hoped and the daughter all the better for being with them he announced his intention of returning in the same carriage to lyme and when the horses were baited he was off End of volume one chapter twelve